I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Andrew Millen, and this is the Celtic Soul Podcast. Today on the show, I will have the second part of my conversation with Johnny Vaughan. Johnny, a Celtic fan who left for the USA from Dublin in 1990 on a soccer scholarship. This episode has been sponsored by the Rue Glen Hotel Waterford. Thanks to John Mooney for his continued support of both the fanzine and now the podcast. If your business or Celtic supporters club would like to support the podcast and become a sponsor, please email us at info at celticfanzine.com. And as always... You can contact us through the website or message us on social media. Folks, after 27 years, McCool's Bar is in a fight for its own survival in Glasgow. One of my favourite bars on match day and on many a weekend I've had in Glasgow. McCool's have supported so many bands over the years and DJs from all genres and have always supported all the Celtic fanzines, including More Than 90 Minutes, Not The View and The Alternative View. So if you want to see them make it into 2021, they need your help. They can't open as a pub due to the COVID restrictions or put on gigs, but they are back open today. They opened at 9am this morning and they're operating as a cafe. Seven fantastic coffee, breakfast rolls, lunch and brunch, sit in or take away. So folks, buy your coffee from your local independent cafe. Live life local, shop local and support businesses who support the Celtic fans. While Ireland played out a pointless friendly at an Embley Wembley Stadium last night, as England's late replacements for New Zealand because New Zealand has sorted out the spread of COVID-19 at home and refused to play the game during the pandemic. We had all hoped that Ireland would be in the playoffs last night, but we didn't make it, and although our conqueror Slovakia beat the others from up the north, Ireland had to step in to replace the All-Whites of New Zealand, which I'm sure will benefit the FAI, who are still reeling from the financial robbery conducted by John Delaney while in charge of the FAI. But that's another story for another day. So now we will have to lick our wounds after another defeat, this time 3-0 to England. Pains me to say it. Elsewhere, Scotland was celebrating qualification to the Euros and like they have two games now to look forward to in Hamden and one against England at Wembley. Well done to all the Celtic players and former Celtic goalkeeper David Marshall who saved the last penalty last night. Hopefully the fans will be able to get back in time for these games so that the hospitality industry of hotels, bars and restaurants 
can get a financial boost after a disastrous time of late. Ireland played a small part in the Scots qualification last night with former internationalist Stephen Reid in the dugout as part of Steve Clark's backroom team. No doubt more than 90 minutes columnists Anthony Joseph and Tommy Sheridan will have been celebrating last night and a big shout out to Roddy and Gus who have travelled on our buses when Ireland play Scotland and they take pelters I have to say on those buses. And to my old walkmate Phil Currens, a long-suffering St Mirren fan, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this weekend. Thanks to everybody who tuned in for a first part of my chat with Johnny Vaughan, a Dubliner, a Celtic fan, a half-decent footballer, and now a publican in Connecticut. We take up the interview with Johnny chatting away about Ireland manager Stephen Kenny, who he played under when he was making his way as a young manager. We're coming into an international break now. Stephen Kenny, you played under Stephen and... You know, he's now got the ultimate job in Irish football, Irish manager. When you were playing under him, like, that was his first League of Ireland club. Could you ever imagine that, he, you know, he, he would be so successful and go on to manage the country? Oh, I did, Andrew. To be honest with you, I, um, I'm i a big fan. And it's surprising to people because I, I would have spent time with him. You know, I remember he picked me up uh, before one of the matches where we were going up to training. And... Uh, we were talking about, so this was probably eight years after we'd finished playing football together. We'd be in our mid, mid-20s, it was 90, 98. Uh, and we would talk about the old days and where people went and who was still playing. There were some good footballers that were coming out of Dublin back then. And we would talk about who went here and who went there. Remember this, remember that. So we were driving up and he, he says, you're still Celtic? And I said, oh, fuck it. I'm crying about it, you know. And he said, uh, it's funny, when I was with St. Pat's last year, he said, we got Celtic in the, in the draw for... Um, for the cup, whatever it was, the cup was it the European Champions Cup? League. Uh, Champions League, yeah, yeah. He said I was with St. Pat's at the time under Brian Kerr, and um, I said, "Oh yeah, Jesus!" I said, "I remember." I said it was, you know, it was only the year before that. I said Celtic Park was a midweek game. I think over there Wednesday or Thursday, St. Pat's um, uh, did a decent team. I think it was nil nil that night over there, was it? it might have been. We, we won two nil at home in Targa. Yeah, and I think oh, it was, sorry, away in it was the second leg, but we were talking about the first leg, and I was saying to him, I said, must have been, you were with the team, must have been fucking amazing going over Celtic Park, a sort of homecoming, and the green and white, and, you know, St. Pat's bringing their fans over, and kind of a party atmosphere and all that, and he's, he just said, oh, I, I didn't go that night, I had, the, I had a reserve training session with the team. <laughs> you know, he, 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 he was the first manager that I ever came across, because when we'd meet for Longford, we'd meet, uh, the morning of a match in the afternoon or maybe even the night before that if we went out to Galway and stuff and he, he had this board wherever we went we met in the Longford Arms where he'd pull it back and he'd have a sheet and it's like been in school where he went through we were playing at Long Town he went through the full back and told you what he had for breakfast I'd never met a man or a manager in my life or come across one that was so had so much attention to detail of other players that were then in the first division in Ireland and I remember saying to myself, this guy's fucking years ahead of it. This is what the Yanks are doing. Like when American coaches kind of marry technology and science and they love statistics. And even though he wasn't statistic bound, but other managers that I'd ask players about at that time, because I had an interest in coaching, they'd often say certain managers, whenever they'd lost the match the following week of training, he'd say, right, we're going to do fucking five laps tonight. Run the bollocks up and five laps. That'll, that'll teach them because we lost at the weekend. That was the old school way of coaching, like run, 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 run. That'll teach them. It never addressed the problem of why we were losing matches. And the reason could have been 
free kicks or corner kicks or man marking or a formation. He was the only one I ever knew who came across at that point in my life who actually addressed those problems and tried to identify them and eliminate those mistakes, which to me was amazing. I just thought he was so far ahead of his time. And we had some good players on that team. And yeah, I think his budget was a, was a thousand euros for the, for, I remember reading the article on 42.8, his budget was like a thousand euros at that time for, for the team. And the second year when we went up, we went up to 1500. That's to manage 16, 18 players and himself. I mean, literally just getting petrol money to drive up and back and forward. But it was a great, fantastic team that he built. And it was great camaraderie and like really solid character, like of blokes who wanted to do better and better themselves. He took this gang of misfits and made them champions in the first division on a shoestring budget. I mean, he was rubbing pennies together. I just, and, but his preparation and his attention to detail, if the match was Friday night, and then the lads would train Sunday morning. He'd take the reserves on Saturday morning and train them in the Phoenix Park. I mean, he was doing six, seven days a week, at least five, if not six days a week, with a part-time team. And he just was hell-bent on, on going to the top. No one was going to stop him. Um, you know, people often say, oh, he might be a bit of this, or he, he's not afraid to make hard decisions. And, and I learned that over the years. He is not afraid of dropping the hatchet when he has to drop the hatchet. And it doesn't matter... If you're one of his favorites, or he's from his town in Tala, um, or somebody who he grew up with, or somebody who'd been there for two, three years, if you weren't pulling your weight, you got dropped. And I'm going to stay in Dublin because uh, since we were talking about Stephen, you started following Celtic as a teenager. And I know we've spoke before about centenary season. You know, you're cutting your teeth as a young fan watching the McAvennies, the McStays, Paggy Bonner. <laughs> What's your early memories of of Folly and Celtic and maybe that season in particular? Um, I I think, like most people, if I'm being entirely honest, I actually followed United when I was growing up at a soft spot for my United. That was kind of passed down from my father. I followed United. My brother Trevor followed Liverpool. Um, And then I think when I started to think for myself, maybe around 15 or 16, and this was before Sky Sports and stuff like that, I I just had this... uh, yearning to follow somebody that I could kind of attach myself to that meant something. And I remember seeing the, the numbers on the back of the jerseys or the Sabudio team and and hearing stories of the Lisbon Lions. And even though Celtic, I think if you're honest, wasn't the most fashionable club to follow if you're growing up in Ireland, it was most people's second team. For me, once I got a taste of it, I remember my father took us to Shamrock Rovers against Celtic and once say 84 or 85 at Milltown, he was a Rovers fan. You know, the smell of the occasion stays with me, the, the smell of burgers and chips and all guys drinking and, and there was something in the air that, you know, just gargle off everybody and all these Scottish accents and mad heads jumping up and down and people falling over each other and just going there like wide-eyed as a young flick, just been completely like a fucking spaceship landed, you know, you never seen nothing like in your life and you know, on a Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday night when they played in Milltown, just been just been bowled away by by the atmosphere and, and, and the arena and a match at the night time when you're at that age. I mean, that was that was a Super Bowl for you that you were able to go to a match and be amongst grown men shouting obscenities and plied up with gargle and holding each other up and singing songs. It, it was just like I kind of remember it being Partly nervous, but part excitement. Um, 
and seeing the fans and how they celebrate it, it, it just you could tell it meant more to them than just a football game. And I suppose that was my first taste of, of Celtic mania. You love getting home because you mentioned you love coming home for a European game. You try to go home every season. Uh, we hooked up in Munich and we had a great old day in Munich with yourself and your brothers. Plenty of gargle, plenty of crack. On the way down to the stadium, I'd been in the old stadium and got to the new stadium. It was very impressive. And unfortunately then when we got in, you know, we, we came out second best it, on the away trip in Europe. It, it's, funny, it's funny you mention that, Joe, because the first the, the first sojourn I actually took on, on uh, solo was Munich uh, 03, uh, which is almost 20 years ago. I remember going over there on my own. I knew no one. Um, and I left... I was living in Hartford. I left I left my gaff on a Friday with a suitcase and I walked up the road to get a bus down Farmington Avenue on a train across to catch a bus up to Boston and flew from Boston to Charles de Gaulle in Paris onto Munich in Germany and landed there on the Saturday or Sunday. Um, but when I left the apartment, I didn't even have a car. I just actually got public transport bus and the girl was downstairs to me says where are you going I said Germany and she says just with a bag and I said well I, I do travel lightly I don't know what's ahead of me but that was the plan so I, I I just had my bag and took the bus and the train and then I got to Boston and then when I landed in Germany um got a train and checked in in Munich and that was the first time I came across your more than 90 minutes magazine there was a bloke going around this pub called Killians in Munich and the first bloke I sat down to start cracking on with me, and he was gabbing away with me for ages until we realized that we actually had something in common. His name was uh, was Alberto McCready. Remember, the, you know the bald Alberto? Oh, I know, so, Albert. It was funny because we started cracking on He was from Milltown, where my father was from. Um, and we had a good session on that Sunday. And then we said, look, we'll meet here tomorrow on the Monday. So we met there on the Monday and a few other heads came rolling in, some around their own river, and we ended up cracking on with this other fucking headbanger called Kevin Ford. You know Fordy? Yeah. From I think he's from your part of the world. We end up with him and another fella from Liverpool called Mick on the Monday. And the Tuesday, another couple of heralds joined up. And on the Tuesday night, myself, Albert, Fordy, and a couple of other heralds took the train over to the old Munich Stadium, the old Olympic Stadium in Munich, the old stadium. Um, and we were wearing all the gear and it was the night before training and I had the yellow jacket on at the time and they waved us in, they thought we were part of the official Celtic delegation so we sat there, me, Alberto and a few of their heads and players come over to us and waited, I, a Lambert came over, Stillian Petro came over so we were there in the stadium where people shook hands with us the night before the game, you'd never do that anymore, we just snuck in and we had the crack in there and we were singing and at the end they realised that Maybe these fucking blogs aren't part of the delegation. <laughs> but it was too late. Um, so it was amazing. And that's when I kind of got the bug where I started saying, there's some other fucking headbangers who are going around following Southie. This is great crack. I'm going to do it as often as I can. So that's where I met him. And um, that's where I first got my hands on more than 90 minutes. And I remember reading it going, Jesus fucking Christ, this guy's good. I, I really enjoy these articles and the crack and the banter. And then after that, I started to send you in something when I would do i do a, a match day experience, match day one, match day two, up until I got to match day 44. I done 43 of them in a row until it imploded. And I used to send them off to you, and I'd be half cut when I was doing them. 
And it was just about what I was feeling that night, whether it was an old school teacher, an old girlfriend, or getting on the bus. And it just gave me this immense feeling of pride following Celtic that, that stayed with me till now. I remember the first email you sent me. I don't know if I, I don't know if I was still dialing up. I, I, I don't think there was Wi-Fi then. I didn't think we were dialing up. But I remember the first one getting from you. And to say I had to proofread it once or twice would be an overstatement, <laughs> right? After that, I sent I sent it to you and I said I used to sign a JVOH after your man. Now it's the real JVOH, which was Johnny Von Harford. And then in brackets, injured because that was his real name, I think, at the time. <laughs> and, and and it was uh, it was it's funny as well because um, I was looking through some of, some of the old issues, and I'm almost sure there's a couple of letters uh, in the fanzine from you from from, from in in early issues um, at the start of the lockdown. I started to flick through a few of them, and, and I definitely came across one. I must I must I must dig it mm-hmm. out. But yeah, and I suppose that's how we got. You know. So that's the great thing about the fans, and it's for me. I was traveling with the lads week in, week out. My bus knew some of the lads on the boat, but then when the fans in started, I, you know, because I was selling outside the grounds and that, and I, people started to coming off me. And and it's funny, a young Kevin Bridges used to come up and buy the fans in. I don't know what ever happened to him. Charlie Gallagher uh, celebrated his birthday um, last week. He was eighty. A gentleman, a legend, and what a player. Charlie came up and bought, would buy the fanzine off me. He was a taxi driver at the time. And maybe go back 20 years, you know. And you're kind of in awe. You know, you're selling it for a quid outside the ground. And here's this Lisbon line in front of you, buying your fanzine. And, like, you'd be like, you know, you'd be saying, oh, yeah, Charlie, sign a couple of them for me, you know. And he'd be signing autographs. And Charlie would just breeze in and out, you know. like you know. That's, part, that's part of the beauty of the club, I suppose, in the sense that uh, we are all in, all in this together. And that's, to me, unfortunately, the part that's hurting right now is that I do feel the split is there. And, you know, the, the, the fans are just bigger than the club. Um, as you know yourself, I've enjoyed the magazine. I love reading it and, and getting the subscription. And, and you get a different flavour because sometimes not everybody's on the same page about Celtic or the direction that we're headed in. But we are all pulling together. It's just um, right now we're at a strange, strange crossroads. And I... I I fear for the, the team. I think at the end of the season, we've got a clear house. I think it's going to be one of those seismic moments where you remember where Lennon goes or Lennon stays and, and, and some of the players have come to the end of the road and we need new, new, new life in there. Because I think, if you're honest, as a Celtic fan right, right now, you have, to, you have to admit it's gotten kind of stale. Well, you're never going to win every trophy and we've been dominant sometime. And I hope it's not this year. But, you know, these, these amazing historical runs will come to an end. You know, it happens every club, no matter how big you are or how good you are. And I'm hoping that these boys can pull it around. There's still plenty of time, you know, so so keep the faith. That's the way it is in the fans' end. We, we've got a group of writers. Some write every issue, some write occasionally. But they're all of different opinions. I'm only the editor. I only get to read them first, you know. my If I was to write the fans' end, it would be, who would want to hear my opinion constantly every month? It's okay writing one piece, but... That's the good thing about it. We have a great team, men, women, old, young, Glasgow-based, yeah. stateside, wherever they're based, you know, based in Ireland. So everyone has a different perspective on you know, how to get to see Celtic. But at the end of the day, we're all in it together, Johnny, and we'll get out of it. But I can't have you on the show, Johnny, right? Because I've been glued to the telly for the last week. And this is the truth, Johnny. Day and night, I've been watching the US elections like I'd never watched before. And simply because I don't, I don't like fascists and I don't like people 
who promote groups of fascists. And uh, your last president, Donald Trump, uh, he's everything I'm not. So I watched it to see him being defeated, not because I know a hell of a lot about um, American politics, but Charlie Law does educate me, you know, because Charlie's a, a member of the Democrats. But what I will say is I watched it all, and this is the gospel truth, right? My son will tell you this. Like a few hours sleep, and then I'd get up and I'd watch it again, and in work I had it on. And on Saturday, I think it was Saturday, I went to the loo, and I was reading. Mm-hmm. I probably stayed in the loo a little longer than I should have. And when I bloody came out, he, they were after announcing he was elected. So for five <laughs> or six days, I'd watch the telly, and I missed him being elected. I look at Trump, right, you know, and the lunacy of, of, of a president of, of, of you know, in a, such a, a massive country, anyone to come out and say that they got the gift of COVID-19 from God, you know, he gave it to him so that he could he could survive it, you know, and forever the image of, of, of his advisor, the doctor, sitting there, the, the lady, and him talking about, you know, injecting himself with bleach and, you know, if it's yeah. a surface down and it kills it, if if you watch this in the program, like a film, you'd say, oh, that's a bit far-fetched. But this was the president of America. Now, but what I want to ask you, right, because I've heard bits and bits, yeah. right? Joe Biden is our new president. My father's delighted because he's younger than my father, you know, because my father doesn't think he's... father's going to be 85 this year, and he's saying, I don't know why they're on at the age. The man's, the man's <laughs> only young for it. And, uh, but I suppose I'm always selfish as well, you know. Is this a positive move for the Irish diaspora? Because it is for the Good Friday Agreement. Because with Brexit, Trump is going to do a trade deal with Britain, which didn't include keeping the Good Friday Agreement. You know, whereas Biden has said the Good Friday Agreement stays or there'll be no trade deal. So right. for us this end, we seem to be getting something over. But stay side, is this a good thing for the Irish diaspora? Well, politics is so divided over here lately, Andrew. We could, we could, we'll, we'll sum it up in a, in, a, in a few minutes without getting too deep into it because I'm, I'm not going to bore the pantalones off everybody. Um, what's happened lately, or obviously in the last six months especially, is that um, there's been so many extremists on both sides. Um, it's very hard. A lot of things, first and foremost, I mean, you got to remember how big the United States is. And it's quicker for me to leave Connecticut and fly to Dublin than it is for me to fly from Dublin to California. I'm closer to home. So America is so big and so vast. I know most people know that and we're kind of staying the obvious, but for those who don't, um, just the, the distance alone across the country and every state is governed differently. So all the 50 states are governed differently. So... People's feeling on politics, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, they differ from state to state. And there's huge blocks of red and huge blocks of blue. And generally you find the blue around areas that have had immigration over the years and liberal sort of free speaking places. The block of red that goes across the country um, probably hasn't changed. Donald Trump actually got more votes this time around than he done the last time, but he didn't win it this time, which is hard to believe as well because of the electoral and the popular vote. He got more votes this time. Crazy. Um, and you know how the system works, electrical votes, and and how everybody gets... You win the state if you win, you make enough, get enough percentage of votes, you win that state. You win all their electoral votes. So the issue, what's happened has been the extremists. Um, it's amazing to think in the size of a country with 330-odd million people that there's two parties you can vote for. That blows my mind. We only have two choices. And... Unfortunately, like what I've noticed lately is that you 
you can't even talk about it in public. You can't talk about it at cookouts. You can't talk about it at dinners. I mean, people are up in arms about it. And there's a lot of people out there who, who this means the world to them. Me, personally, I still got to go up and go to work. I think people put too much too much emphasis on politics because for most people, you still got to go up and work. You still got to pay your bills. You still got to pay a mortgage. You still got to take the kids to school. You got to pick them up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Does it change your daily life or routine? No. But what Donald Trump, Donald Trump unfortunately, has done has divided the country further and further. For years, most Irish people, if not all, were very democratic. They were very left to center, as I'd imagine most Celtic fans were as well. I think what has happened in America is because a lot of the Irish-American, which I'm sure you know from listening to uh, the news in the last week or two, it's not as unanimous as it was years ago. Um, and you'll see more and more Irish-Americans go red, will be in favor of the Republican Party and their fearless leader. And part of that is because the wave of immigration has now changed in America, where years ago it was the Jews, the Paddies, the Germans, the Italians. Now this new wave of immigration is, is a brown face, and they're from Central America, South America, and they're doing the jobs that we did years ago. And they're very grateful for the jobs that they've done years ago, and, and the same way as we are. But as we assimilate in America, probably around the time where JFK rose, you know, uh, what are we talking about? 40 years ago now, uh, a lot of Irish Americans start getting jobs in public services in the police department and the fire department. And they kind of rose up and rose up and rose up. And they started to realize that they didn't need to be a, a Democrat anymore, that they got more tax breaks for them and their family if they kind of became what was known as a Republicrat, which is somewhere in the middle of being a Democrat and Republican. But now there is no middle anymore. It's very divided. And the extremists are taking statues down and putting flags up and um, marching and here. And, you know, the cancel culture has evolved in it as well, which in my idea, in my mind, is completely wrong. I mean, you've got these fucking head cases who are tra- trying to rewrite history. You can't rewrite history. You know, and it's, just, it's happened in Ireland as well with, the, with statues that they wanted to take down because they felt it was uh, uh, offensive to people. Well, guess what? It's not offensive to people. It's only offensive if you're offensive. It's the same with football songs to a certain degree. But um, we can't cancel culture. We can't rewrite it. But we can learn from what happened in the past. And we can't make those mistakes again. So that's why, you know, you can't erase culture or erase history. But what we can do is learn from it and grow. And that's why some of these things, I think, they're still important that that we're able to look at it and learn from it. Right now, what's happened with the Republicans and Democrats, it's so divided. It's a mess. Connecticut is uh, very Democratic. Uh, As you go further on down the state where the money is, it's very Republican. They seem to um, have gotten better ideas on how to spend their money over the years. And a lot of times, Republicans look out for people with money who paid into the party and gave them better tax breaks. And their motto always was the difference, which not everybody understands. It's a difference between a helping hand and a handout. And I think the Republicans felt they could give people a helping hand. The Democrats, they felt that them, the Republicans felt that the Democrats gave them a handout. And a handout is no good to everybody. It's like you can teach a man to fish, but, you know, give him a fish, but you can't teach him how to fish sort of thing. So um, it's been split and it's going to take a long, long time to heal. I don't think personally either of these two creepy 70-year-old white guys are going to change the world for us. Uh, what I do like is that I like Camilla Harris. 
who was his running mate. I liked her stance on crime. I think she was great um, when she was DA for Chicago and San Francisco. Both her parents are immigrants. She understands the struggle in America that goes in daily life, the racial divide. I think she will try and heal um, through better communications. Um, so I like her, but, 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 but the two old creepy white guys, they're not my cup of tea. Johnny, thanks very much for uh, enlightening us there on the, your take, because as I said, over here you have you know, news channels who favour one party or the other. But uh, from an Irish point of view, historically, as you say, that you know the Irish have voted, the diaspora has voted for the Democrats, but that seems to be changing now as the Irish have moved up the, the chain and you know done better for themselves. Yeah, and you know, traditionally, going back all the years, the Irish, the Blacks, the Jews, anybody who was downtrodden or to a certain degree oppressed always went with the Democrats because we felt that there was more hope for them that they were kind of in their corner over time. That was always the case. I think the reason why they lost the last election before this one was that they put the wrong running mate ahead. You know, Hillary Clinton, I don't think, was a great choice. And I think they got they got kind of cocky and thought that they'd, they'd win it regardless. And, and there was this silent majority or minority in America that Vote for Trump, whether you believe or not. They won't come out and say it in public, or, or they won't say it to their spouse or partner, but they will vote for Trump, and you won't hear too much about it because they're afraid that a lot of the tax breaks and concessions that they get in business and real estate, they'll lose them with the Democrats. And, you know, Donald Trump, when he made his millions, was a real estate mogul and actually corrupted the U.S. in a sense that in the 80s and 90s, he made these tax laws and loopholes for real estate um, where you could depreciate your mortgage, you could depreciate your business. I mean, I mean, he took advantage of the system, but the system is there to be taken advantage of by people who can afford to pay the money to get the right lawyers so they pay no taxes or whatever the case may be. And then the gap gets bigger and bigger between the classes of those who have and those who have not. He just used the loopholes that were there, right or wrong, and whether it was accountants or whether it was his bookkeeper, or whether it was payroll, that's what he'd done. Um, and, the, and the Democrats felt like they were left outside of the party. As you see in the split in America, it's so obvious between people who are educated and went to third-level third-level education, um, and who are the sons of immigrants, they still lean towards the left. Um, and they still feel that there's more hope for the working class people with the Democrats, which I do as well. I, I, I certainly would take that that corner. I think most Celtic fans will will, will see will feel that way. I just think that the bridge between take the Democrats taking our vote for granted, those days are gone because there's more and more Irish Americans who would be leaning to the right. And for the reasons I said, that they feel that they have a better opportunity for their kids, their future, their real estate, their business because they have a businessman who's in charge rather than, let's be honest, a guy who's 77 years old who we don't really have a lot in common with. Okay, Johnny, I'm going to take it home now before we finish, but I'm not going to take it at Dublin. I'm going to take you up the road to Derry. You introduced me to a singer, um, Declan McLaughlin. Yeah. And uh, we're going to play out with one of his tunes. So just give a shout out to... To Declan and uh, you know, yeah, I, I, well, I mean, the crack is I've, I've been muckers with Decky for 20 odd years. When I was 
working at a bar in Hartford called the Half Door uh, back in the late 90s. He landed, he was on the back of a single called Happy that uh, Harp Larger had bought and sponsored him and sent him to the US on a tour. He was with a band called The Whole Tribe Sings. Um, and they did loudly and boldly and late at night. And uh, I just took a, a kind of fondness to them. I thought their music was it was ska, it was soul, had punch, it wasn't. You know, we were in an Irish pub and a lot of the punters wanted all this Kamalia stuff, you know, all of this uh, Camellia Black and Tans and Pigs in the Parlour stuff. And these guys in the whole tribe sings come in and just fucking blew the doors off, took the wallpaper down with their rock and roll. And I just thought they had so much energy at the time. The lead singer was Declan McLaughlin. We've been, you know, good friends since then. He's come out with some albums over the years. He's going to release one um, at the end of next month. He's a singer-songwriter from Derry. To me, he's the best singer-songwriter in Ireland. Christy Moore has given him tabs lately. He's open for Gary Oak. I think he's played um, plenty of concerts with him. He travels with Damien Dempsey. He's open for Damien at Vickers Street the last couple of years. His music has a lot of soul, a lot of meaning. He's very deep. Um, it's none of this sort of bubblegum music that you hear these days. He's um, there's a touch, I suppose there's a touch of Bruce Springsteen about him. Um, I like him because um, there's a struggle within his music. He sings of hope. He sings of fear. He sings of drugs, sex, rock and roll, all the things that we thought were cool when we are in our 20s. I still do now. He covered some bands that, you know, you'd kind of scratch your head and say, there's no way he does, he could do it as well. But he writes his own music. Uh, his website is out there. He's, he's on Bandcamp, Declan McLaughlin. He, he just gives me hope for the future. He has a new album coming out. Um, as I said, his, his music, it's not for the faint-hearted. There's a little Johnny Cash in him. There's a little Damien, I suppose. There's a little Bruce, a uh, little John Prine. Uh, some of my favourites. Hopefully some of yours too. But um, yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, great bloke. He works in uh, in a shelter up there, and his day to day business is is dealing with people who are going through a struggle with addiction. And he writes fabulous songs. It's all his own music. Uh, there's a little bluegrass involved in some of his music. He, he touches on as well. But through the years, and especially through this time, I've just felt that uh, he's given me hope and has been a bit of an inspiration. I know. Some Celtic uh, fans out there have taken the time to listen to him. I encourage you, if you, if you haven't, look him up on Facebook or social media or Bandcamp. He's on Spotify. Declan McLaughlin from Derry. Um, very talented man. Uh, fantastic on the guitar. Singer, songwriter. And uh, right now he's given me in Ireland some hope. Brilliant. It was you that introduced me to him. And, and I can say he's very good. You could check him out on YouTube as well. Yeah, he, he is. He's... He's. Uh, I didn't actually see him when he played with Damien. Um, he played. He played in Glasgow last year as well. And I know he's good, good buddies with Gary Old and as we said, Damien Dempsey. And so there'll be names that would be familiar with with Celtic fans. But yeah, definitely worth checking out. As I said, we play out today, Johnny. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I hope to see it in Philly, maybe, or on a European adventure. You know, maybe someday we'll bring the podcast to Vaughn's Pub in Connecticut. Hey, Andrew, thanks for all you do. I know there's a, <clears throat> an awful lot of people out there who appreciate what you do. And just from listening and reading and, and, and keeping tracks on you over time, uh, what you do is fantastic. I don't, I think like a musician, you don't probably realize 
how far reaching you go. And, you know, people I talk to follow Celtic all the time. Part of the conversation is, is comes around to what you do and how you keep people in touch and you give them that social platform. So you're almost like a musician without the girls, the music and the money and the drugs. That's you. Possibly uh, a little better look and, and a better left hook, but that's about it, all I can say. But I think we, there's a lot of Celtic fans. There's a lot of Celtic fans out there who appreciate what you do because you you kind of are the glue that keeps it all together. When the rest of us are throwing stuff against the wall and banging our head, it's it's always nice to have that social platform. So I think for a lot of Celtic fans out there, I'd like to say Gurren Mila Margot for what you do. Well, thank you very much, Johnny. Uh... I mean, my father says I only praise myself, you know, but it's nice to get praised by someone else. It, it, it's great what you do. I remember reading it. I know it's gone so str- it, It's gone on for a long time. It's gone great for you. And uh, you give a lot of people out there hope. I think, you know, in this time and age when you can, you can, you can pick it up and read it and hear what people say and people follow you. And, you know, the club that brings us all together and binds us all together. And a big part of that is, is the hard work that you do that goes on behind the scenes. You're, you're a little bit like Henrik Larson in the, the sense that you make it look easy, but I know you work hard at it and you're a good grafter. So thanks for what you do. I appreciate uh, you having me on. I hope uh, I didn't offend too many people, but um, if I did, hey, too bad. Keep the faith. No, it's been great, Johnny, having you on. It has been. It was great to get an American opinion again because uh, I just wanted someone on that state side because I did want to have a chat off, off air as well about what's happening over there. So as I said, Johnny, Thank you very much for bearing your Celtic soul to us. Andrew, thanks very much. Keep up the good work. I hope to talk to you soon. Keep the faith, me, flare up. Great to chat to Johnny again and get his perspective on life and following Celtic from afar and get his take on the recent elections, music, football and, of course, continue his Celtic story. We still have about 30 print copies of the fanzine More Than 90 Minutes, issue 111. If you would like to order a copy, we'll stick one in the post. You can also download the digital edition from CelticFanzine.com all orders before noon posted out on the same day. Anyone taking out a subscription now before Christmas will receive a free t-shirt or a badge in the post. And as always, thank you for your continued support of our merchandise, which makes a decent old Christmas present, as we said last week, better than a pair of socks and even better than a set of hankies. With no match day sales, folks, without your support, there will be no print edition. And the merchandise also helps us to keep this podcast going. So as, as I said, thanks again, folks. You're great. As always, I have to thank my long-suffering producer, Ronan McQuillan, for producing the show. Uh, he's looking for another free T-shirt today, so I'll have to give him one so we get some background music to it. I loved when we mentioned the Boys of Back in Town T-shirt, and to my surprise when I had the podcast, he had a little bit of Tin Lizzy in the background for us. Fair play, Ronan. Folks, as always, if you like what we're doing and you would like to support us, you can do so by visiting CelticFansing.com, where you can become a member, subscribe, buy or donate for the price of a pint. We promise no unwanted adverts from Google on our website and no unwanted advert interruptions on our podcast. We're trying to keep it real and we're trying to keep it independent and we can only do that with your support. Your support helps us to continue to produce quality independent fan journalism, podcast, video content, free live fan events. And don't worry, if you're not in a position to financially support us at this time, we'll still deliver the same quality content to all fans free. Don't forget to download the app, folks. It's free and it's available on Apple and Android. And you'll have access to all our podcasts, articles, daily news, video and info on upcoming events. If we ever get to do one, the fanzine and our online shop all at the touch of a button on your phone or tablet. That's Celtic Fanzine app, folks. All episodes of the podcast are also available on all platforms. So don't forget to hit the subscribe or follow button 
so you never miss an episode. Can't thank our sponsors enough. And again this week, the Rue Glen Hotel Wharf, John Mooney, for his support, which he has given to the fanzine over many years. And since we started the podcast, he hasn't been afraid to sponsor us. So, John, thank you so much. If your business is Celtic Supporters Club, like what we're doing with the podcast and would like to become a sponsor, please email us at info at And as always, you can contact us through the website or on social media. Keep the comments and suggestions coming in. And here's a few after Tuesday's podcast. Loving the podcast. Long drives every day to Abu Dhabi. So it's good to listen. Sean Dubai Hoops. Johnny Vaughan, decent guy, but I don't agree with quite a bit he says about the football. Don't agree with the board's lack of ambition this season as we have spent quite a bit and kept our players. Also, Brown not been as good as usual this year, but no way he's been off for a year and a half. I don't mind anyone's opinion, but if he said those on Twitter, he'd be given some abuse. Liam Kelly, Bournemouth. Johnny Millish, great interview, lads. Top notch. Rob Millen, as known as Stato. Celtic Soul podcast with Andrew Millen interviewing Adrian Hilly Hillman. Brilliant hearing the stories. Would highly recommend this podcast show to any hoops out there because it's what it's supposed to be. A podcast by fans, for the fans, and long may it continue. Hail, hail. Jimmy Boy McCurry, Logan number one CSC. Just listen to the latest podcast. I remember meeting Johnny Vaughan for the first time, watching a Celtic match in Paddy Rooney's pub in Philadelphia. It must have been 15 years ago. Charlie Lord, Philly via Belfast. Listen to my pal Johnny on a podcast today, and something he said resonated with me. You always miss family, home, and landmark dates, but you also learn to appreciate everything that your new home gives you. A warm house of your own, a car in the driveway, and the opportunity to literally do whatever I choose to do with my future. Six years a legal resident here today. Not bad for a lad from Tala, Sean O'Farrell, Ploughboy CSC. Great interview with Johnny, passion flowing, Hilly St. Margaret's Celtic Supporters Club. Great interview, appreciate the shout out Johnny Vaughan, Luke McQuillan, Ohio, USA. Great interview Johnny Vaughan, well done, Brock McVeigh, Bronx Boys Celtic Supporters Club. Folks, there'll be no podcast on Tuesday as we're taking a little break during the internationals, but we will be back next Friday with episode 42 when we will have another guest opening up their Celtic soul to us and we can look ahead to the Hibs game, which, believe it or not, will take place at 3pm on a Saturday afternoon, just like the old days when we used to watch football in black and white. So, folks, enjoy the weekend. There's not much to do in the lockdown, but there's plenty of sport and TV to ease the pain of the boredom and maybe we'll get a few beers out of the off-license. Johnny spoke there with Declan McLaughlin. Declan has been in contact and we will play out one of his songs from his last album, Freedom's Not a T-Shirt. He's a new album coming out called The Path of Most Resistance. It will be out early next year, all nine tracks, and we will keep the listeners updated when the album is released. We want to lend our support to musicians and songwriters out there who have been hit the hardest by these lockdown restrictions. No gigs and no venues. So send your material and a little bit about yourself and we'll give you a play out after each show. So folks, stay tuned, stay safe, and as always, keep the faith. Freedom's not a t-shirt, it's more than just a word. You can see its tracks upon the backs of the bird around the world. Some say it's in the mountains, high up in the sky. The kids go looking for it where the supermarkets die. It will not be there when you go looking. How much will it be if you need more? How long before the soldiers on your TV look just like the soldiers?
freedom's not a line Is it free through dirty trenches to victory For kings and queens and heads of state For drunken songs that are sung with hate Maybe it's the heart of a lover Maybe the forgiveness of a mother Maybe it's just one to another On the road you're gonna take Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.